The reading today is Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And we got a reminder of, of Genesis chapter 1. When I'm teaching it in school, I'm not sure it's the most helpful mnemonic in the world, um, but LSESFA, London School of Economics, Scottish Football Association, light, sea and sky, the earth, sun and moon, fish and animal, uh, fish and birds and animals and human beings. That's how I remember the London School of Economics, LSESFA, um, and they're looking blankly, blankly at me, just as you do uh, at the moment. Um, I'm quite keen on my mnemonics. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a chaplain in a school in Edinburgh, have been for, for quite a little time, as Drew was saying earlier. Um, but I did work here, and you know, working here was an amazing experience, an amazing foundation, learned lots of things, um, learned lots of things from John Hanna, and um, one of them, which is probably the least important thing that I learned, is that he used to talk about daft laddie questions. Now maybe that's a comment, I'd never heard, it. John was the first one who ever introduced me to daft laddie questions. So I will sometimes ask the, the kids at school, um, daft laddie questions. Um, we teach, you know, we teach them about the Judeo-Christian tradition, and we, we go into, I do a whole series on kind of creation and the story from, from Adam and Eve all the way through, um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, down through Joseph and Moses and the Ten Commandments. We do a sort of a history of, of the Jewish people. And one of the, the questions, the daft laddie question I would ask them is I would say, how many days according to Genesis does it take God to create the world? And some of them are smart, you know. Not many, but some are smart. Six days. Clever answer. In a sense, yes. Absolutely right. We talk about the seven days of creation, but we've just heard, in six days, God made everything that has been made. Good answer. Well done gold star or for some bizarre reason as we do in school an h you get an h for doing i don't even know what hard work helpful no idea anyway we give them an h but perhaps a better question in this world of work-life balance how many days did it take god to create life and perhaps the answer to that is seven days and that the seventh day is very much part of the whole creation of life. It's not an afterthought. It's not an add-on. It's very much part and parcel of that. God set a pattern for all creation on the seventh day. And he set a pattern for you and I. A rest it, it did strike me, uh, and, and it's, I know kind of Mark McRae raised an eyebrow when I came up onto the platform, because he probably hasn't seen me in a suit and a tie um, for quite a while. It, it just it, it felt like a delicious irony to come in my work clothes uh, and talk about the Sabbath. This is what I wear Monday through to Saturday um, every day. And I'm wearing a tie. 
and this also reminds me of something. I have lots of little mnemonics and reminders. This, would you believe, is my school tie. Because, and I wear it quite frequently. In fact, I really could wear it every day because literally every day is a school day. I wear it particularly when I'm preaching um, about a topic that I know that I need to learn about and I need to embed in my life. And sometimes this whole idea of, of Sabbath rest, particularly in a 24-7 boarding school, I haven't always grasped it the way that I should have. I'm a student in this. I'm, I'm a learner, hopefully, uh, teaching other learners. What I've learned if, through my, my study of this, and it's been actually really helpful uh, to engage with Scripture and, and to look at what having a Sabbath means. A bit of history. Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shavat, which means, surprise, surprise, rest. Scholars argue you can read, you know, what theologians are like. Uh, if you read two theologians, you get at least three opinions. Um, so it's not absolute, but quite a few theologians, biblical scholars, will say that the Jewish people were almost the only ones, if not the only ones, in the kind of near Middle East to count in sevens, that seven was their base number. The Babylonians, for example, their near neighbors, they counted for some reason their base was 60. don't know why, but if you've ever wondered why a circle is described as 360 degrees, it comes from the Babylonians. Six times 60, 360, is that right? That's right, yes. Anyway, the Jewish people counted to a base of seven. You ever wondered why we have a seven-day week? Well, ask the Hebrew people, or probably more importantly, ask God. It was part and parcel of the design pattern. In fact, during the French Revolution, um, 1789 area, they tried to introduce a 10-day week during the French Revolution. Sounds like one of those fancy timetables they have in school. Ten-day week, people rioted. Didn't feel right. Working eight days and having two days off. And they did, partly they did it for nine and a half years. So the point I'm trying to make is that the, the seven-day creation of life, the seventh day was always part of God's plan. It was included from the very beginning. It wasn't in any sense an afterthought. It's, it's the fourth, as we heard, it's the fourth commandment. Keep the Sabbath day holy. And there's this idea that we sometimes do it in class, and I'll go through, we've got the Ten Commandments up on a, a poster on the wall, and I'll say, what would the world be like if nobody murdered? Be good? No. What would the world be like if nobody stole? I'd never have to search for my car keys. I'd never have to lock my car if nobody stole. What would it be like if if nobody cheated on someone else? What would it be like if there was no lying? What would it be like if there was no envy? And almost without exception, these boys from all manner of different backgrounds would say, yeah, that would be a better world. It would be a better world if we kept those commandments. But the one we don't really stray into too much is honor the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Why would the world not be a better place if we had a day of rest? 
And yet often it, it's the other ones that are, yeah, not murdering, that's a good thing. Not stealing, that's a good thing. Not lying, that's a good thing. Not cheating, that's a good thing. But we kind of ignore. It's almost a forgotten commandment in today's society. So, daft laddie question number two. What did God do when he rested? What is the image in your mind of God resting? Feet up on a hammock, a heavenly hammock? Was he resting because he was tired? How does that fit in with Psalm 121, which says, He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep? What was resting for God? And if we can maybe delve into that, maybe we can find out what our Sabbath rest should be. Now, forgive me, I, 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 I'm going to do a children's talk here, just don't get to do them very often. Um, do assemblies. This is, bear with me, there will be a point to this at the end. Uh, sometimes when we talk about creation, um, I used to do this assembly at Gilmerton Primary and Grace Mount and, and all the rest of it. Um, Liberton and, and Morden and Ferniside uh, and it was to explain about why God is linked to creation and I would give three or four of the, the children um, a piece of paper and a pen and say draw your favorite thing I give you permission not to listen okay I was going to do that this morning and ask for volunteers, but I thought there'd just be a whole raft of hands. So I, I didn't, I'm not sure I could have stood the rejection. So, draw your favorite thing. So I would be rabbiting on for about five minutes, and they would, uh, they would draw their favorite thing, whatever it was. Should have probably got a better marker pen. And they would, at some point in the assembly, I would say, bring it up, tell us what it is. And they would have drawn their football crest, hearts or hibs or something like that, or they would have drawn a pizza, or they would have drawn you know, whatever their favorite thing would be. And I'd say, it's very, very good. And I would, I would kind of use my judgment, and I would try and pick on the kid I thought was most resilient. I have stopped doing this assembly now for a very good reason. And I would, I would take a piece of paper, and I would... Rip it up in front of them. And there would be an audible gasp. So what has he just done? Just ripped up that kid's drawing. And I was trying to make a point. I did make a kid cry once, which is why I never do it again. <laughs> they hadn't got they hadn't had the bit of paper one minute previously or two minutes previously. They'd been given the pen, they'd been given the paper. They'd drawn on it, but somebody messed with their creation? Boy, that was a problem. It cost them nothing, but they put something of themselves into it. There was a connection between the creator and the creation. And somebody messed with it, and it mattered. There is an absolute link between God and his creation. Between God and us. It is good. He says, as any creator, we are created in his image. I'll not do a show of hands, but do you love creating? Music, 
art, stories, whatever it is, and surely admit a little bit of satisfaction. You look, it's not bad. It's good. And he looks at you and I, and he says, it is very good. Very good. He loves his creation. And he enjoys his creation. It, it, there, there's an old kind of uh, cliched phrase that says that science is thinking God's thoughts after him. I think it's attributed to Einstein, but then almost every quote is attributed to Einstein or Winston Churchill or Oscar Wilde. But science is thinking God's thoughts after him. Imagine as we are discovering, and they're apparently discovering new species all the time, that, that God already has been watching and enjoying and enjoying his creation and enjoying what he's, he's made. And I think that that is at the heart of the seventh day rest. That God isn't exhausted from his creation. He is enjoying what he has made. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, it says in Mark 2, verse 27. It's made for, for our benefit. Because the original Sabbath was about God enjoying what he'd made. Those words of Jesus remind us that the Sabbath day was meant to be a blessing rather than a burden to those who kept it. Uh, the Jews sort of got it kind of wrong. There were 613 mitzvots and how you couldn't break the Sabbath and it, it really became a burden keeping it. But that was not the original pattern or plan. When I was brought up, I had to go to church four times on a Sunday. Went for Sunday school and went for church. Then we had something called Crusaders afterwards and then we had an evening service. Four times on the Sabbath to church. Not sure if it worked or not. Not sure if I was well rested or not. What I can tell you is I was absolutely ready to go back to school on Monday. <laughs> Couldn't wait. What is Sabbath rest for us? If not to enjoy the life that God has given us, but also to keep it different from those other days and be conscious in our thankfulness and our gratefulness for what God has given us. Rest is one of the gifts that God gave us at the beginning of the creation account. He designed our bodies to need rest. Rest is when we recuperate, we rejuvenate, and we recenter, to use a kind of more modern phrase. Why? So that we can actually be more productive, so we can serve Him better. I did a bit of research, I kind of go down different avenues when I'm preparing. And apparently there's only about two, two species that don't sleep out of all of creation. And even one of them's even a wee bit. Apparently, you know, dolphins don't sleep because if they did, they would drown. <laughs> so what they do is they shut off half their brain. So half their brain sleeps at one point and, and the other half is awake and brings them to the surface to breathe. Half their brain asleep one at a time, just like my 3C class. <laughs> and apparently, swifts 
some kind of swift can, can fly for months and months without, without stopping. But actually, basically, all of creation needs rest. And isn't it interesting, time and time again, I think, that science is thinking God's thoughts after him. You read any Sunday, Sunday supplement, if you permit yourself to buy something on a Sunday, and it's full of tips of how to rest. You ask any athlete, resting is essential for physical training. No one who runs marathons or plays rugby or football or hockey or whatever or climbs mountains, they don't do it without proper rest. Your muscles require rest. We had Leonardo da Vinci. Glad you did that. That was good because I have a quote from him. Every now and again, go away, said the great mind. Have a little relaxation for when you come back to your work, your judgment will be surer. Well, the Roman poet said, take rest. A field that has rested gives a bountiful crop. Your mind requires rest. Ah, Even the farmers began to catch up that if you rested a field for a while, it produced more. The pattern is everywhere. Why? Because there is a designer who made the pattern and created it to be this way. Ask corporate leaders. Not that I've ever been a corporate leader, but apparently Forbes magazine wrote recently, you can only work so hard and do so much in a day. Everybody needs to rest and recharge. Your productivity requires rest. So you look in the Sunday supplements, doctors, athletes, philosophers, poets, religious leaders, corporate leaders, all say you require rest. What a surprise. But can I say, God said it first. And it's there in the commandments. We're thinking God's thoughts after him. And yet, yet, now I don't know if, if, you, if you are at work or in a workplace, I don't know if your conversations go anything like, like mine do. You ask a colleague, how are you? How are you? I would say eight times out of ten, the response is, I'm busy. Busy. And it's almost like we metaphorically wear a great big I am busy badge. We daren't seem to be not busy. You know, that's not productive. You know, heaven help us if we're sitting and having a cup of tea when we should be, you know, hard at work. And sometimes we actually revel in our busyness. Resting, we think, is hard work. We're too busy to really rest. I think it was Wordsworth said, getting and spending we lay waste our powers. Little in nature we see that is ours. And yet, we know, and again, research tells us, that the physical and the spiritual are linked. Stress is linked to all manner of ailments and complaints, some of which we don't even know yet, but it has been proved. A hectic pace causing damage to our quality of life. Just quickly, I googled, The benefits of concentrated rest for your body and mind and soul. A healthier body, less stress, deeper relationships, opportunity for reflection, a balance, increased productivity, 
And interestingly, reserve for life's emergencies, for the times when it really is tough and probably there isn't an opportunity. You've got stuff in the bank to, to rest. And the answer will be different probably for each one of us, but certainly I found myself asking the question, well, how do I honor that commandment? How do I honor a Sabbath rest? Because it's part of God's design. Scripture tells me, Scripture commands it, and other people are just about catching up to say this is the way we were made to be. There are um, different ways, very quickly, and this is maybe not, I think it's based in Scripture, but we need physical rest. I think we need mental rest. That might be prayer, reflection, taking time out before you begin your day. Bill Hybels wrote a book called Too Busy Not to Pray. Too Busy Not to Take Rest rather than Too Busy to Rest. This is something we do quite a bit at school, though. sensory rest. Sounds, sounds kind of weird. That means, you know, no devices. Now, take a break. I asked the boys at school how many of them would be, would be struggling if we took away all the devices, iPads, laptops, phones for a week. And some of them were honest enough to say, yep, do you know what? I'm absolutely addicted. No TikTok, Norman. Not late at night anyway. Creative rest. So not just actually abstaining, but, but positive rest. Doing something creative. Exploring you being made in the creator's image by creating, be it music or art. Emotional rest. Not holding things in so it's all tense and stressful, but actually having somebody who you can either be accountable or pray with or or share with. And spiritual rest, setting time aside deliberately to be with your maker. And social rest, connectedness. You do this in the church with this wonderful new facility that you have, your fellowship meal, were you saying, earlier on. All of that is, is rest. Rest is not necessarily lying back. It can be active rest, as well as, as passive rest. So, a question from this learner who's beginning to explore the answers. How are you honoring the commandment, keep the Sabbath day holy? And why would you regard that as any less important than thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not cheat, commit adultery, thou shalt not um, bear false witness? Why, why would it be any less important? It's part of God's pattern for you and for me, yet often ignored. And then I came across something that I hadn't really thought about before, and this is in conclusion. That, that wonderful verse in, in Matthew's Gospel where, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Lovely, and that's comforting when you're exhausted and you're, you're tired. And you know, I will give you rest. And then in John's gospel, he says to the disciples, "Peace I give you, my peace I give unto you. I give not as the world gives." That's interesting. I think I think possibly the world's idea of peace, which is not a bad idea, is this: 
That's peace. Well, it's an absence of noise. It's an absence of me droning on. But actually, the peace that God gives is shalom peace, which is harmony. It's a restored relationship with God. It's We talked about the grace. Um, you were talking about grace earlier on, the grace of God in forgiving our sins, the mercy and the grace. Mercy being not given what we do deserve and grace being given what we do not deserve. Do you know what? There's nothing so exhausting, so absolutely exhausting as guilt. Is there? What keeps you awake at night often? It could be worry and anxiety. Sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's guilt for things you've done. Sometimes it's sins of omission, guilt for things you have not done. Come to me with those burdens, says Jesus. I am the only one who can give you rest. I can give you freedom from condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If we say we were without sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we are faithful and confess our sins, he is righteous, just and righteous, and will forgive us all unrighteousness. He gives not as the world gives. He can forgive utterly. Rest for our souls. How could we do without that rest? So if you, like this learner here, sometimes feels, I don't know, ill at ease due to guilt, then you've come to the right place because you've come to the one who can forgive us from all unrighteousness and give rest in the way that no other can. Rest for our inner souls and a Sabbath that lasts more than one day, but a rest and a peace that lasts for all eternity. Why would you not? It's the way that you and I have been made. We sang a Christmas carol, for he is our childhood pattern. I think it's once in Royal David City. He set a pattern for us. He has been the pattern for us in Christ. So let's be learners together. Whether we are young learners or more mature learners, this every day for everyone who is alive is a school day. Let's learn how to rest. Let's learn how to keep this commandment. Let's be honoring to God. Let us pray. Before a word is on our lips, you know it completely, O Lord. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the depths, you're there. If I ascend to the heavens, you're there. So we come, we come humbly, as we sang earlier. We come, we confess. We confess that there are things that we've done that we should not have done. There are things that we have not done that we should have done. And you know it. You know it already. But we long for rest. And so we claim that for which Christ died for us. We claim that shalom peace, that reconciliation, that restoration with God. 
we give thanks for what Jesus has done for us. Help us to live in that daily Sabbath. And help us in the pattern of our everyday lives to find out how we properly set a Sabbath apart. A day that is different from all the others. Give us wisdom in that. Guide us by your Spirit, we pray. So that corporately and individually and in our family lives, we can keep that commandment just as we strive to keep those others in response to what you've done and following the pattern that you have set. For we ask this together. In the name of the one who gives us the rest that we've always yearned for.